This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. So when we talk about blitz scaling, what are your thoughts on Airbnb? They seem like they were pretty aggressive with how they scaled. And that's one sector of PropTech where perhaps it may have worked. Another sector where it probably hasn't worked is WeWork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, two very different companies, very different organizations, very different approaches and value propositions. Um, you know, Airbnb clearly grew at an incredibly rapid rate. Um, but one of the things I give them a huge amount of credit for is they were attentive to the marketplace dynamics at every step along the way. And they were willing to stop and address issues that arose when they had the the crisis a couple of years ago with uh, people getting their homes damaged from folks renting it and you know being left holding the bag with thousands of dollars of damage. Um, you know they figured out how to address that and and move past it in order to maintain and enhance marketplace dynamics, make everybody feel safe um, transacting on their marketplace. Uh, and they were always very attentive to that. I think you know folks like WeWork took a very different approach to blitzscaling in, in a not necessarily sustainable way. And I'd put you know Uber in this category too, um, although not in prop tech. You know I think illustrative of of organizations that were willing to break a lot of stuff in order to scale. And I think that you know while that's a path you can go down, and certainly um, you could look at WeWork through a lot of different lenses. But I think it just IPO'd for nearly ten billion dollars in value. So hard to say that that was a complete disaster. Um, even though it was pretty messy along the way. Uh, some of the last folks in lost some money on that, but we will always be attentive to the marketplace dynamics and scale in a way that makes sense based on the opportunity there. Um, so I think Airbnb provides a great model for that and how to do that pretty well. And I, I think what's interesting with Airbnb, and I alluded to this with Dwellsy too, is disrupting the idea of what the category is. Right. At the time Airbnb existed, you may have just written Airbnb off as some couch surfing website because there was no other comparison. You yeah. go to a hotel if you want to go stay somewhere, whether it's for business yep. or leisure, or yep. you can go to someone's house yeah. and stay on their couch. Well, there's this website called couch surfing <laughs> and, yeah. and everyone looked at it that way. They yep. were turned down a hundred plus times, yep. but eventually Greylock, uh, I believe was you know one of the investors, um, understood the pitch and thought, as risky as this is, this is one that we need to go after hard. And that's yep. where they did blitz scale because the market was wide open. But it's a very risky strategy for sure. 90, yep. 95% of the time, a company is not ready for it. And I think right. you need to have the monetization model figured out and the margin structure correct. Yep. It's about knowing when to step on the gas is as important as, you know, um, going slow and carefully. Because yep. if you step on the gas at the wrong time, you could go, it's just a timing issue. You, you crash the company and miss the opportunity yep. completely if you don't. Yeah, 100% agree. You know, I think the one of the big differences between those two is Airbnb had it. Um, they'd figured out their unit model economics um, and it worked and they knew it worked as they were pouring money into it. It might not have been a creative in the short term, but they knew it was going to be a creative in the long term. Whereas, um, you know, WeWork had a lot of empty office spaces and they had not figured out their unit economics yet. And, you know, as they scaled up, they just scaled up their losses and ultimately ended up being a debacle at a certain point. Uh, and so I think you're exactly right. You got to you got to know 
the timing and you got to understand your business and understand when it's ready for it and when it's not. Jonas, I'd like to talk a bit more about your background. So you've been on the private equity side, you've run operations for SX. What were some of the things you saw there and opportunities within PropTech generally? I know Dwozzi is one of the opportunities that you realized mm-hmm. and you started yeah. a company around. What other problems did you see and what did you do? Could you educate our listeners a bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, immediately before starting Dwellsy, I was with Essex, as mentioned earlier, and and I um, uh, was running uh, a centralized operations group, so all of the uh, internal functions that supported the field teams. And I really got the chance to um, see property operations uh, at an organization that was trying to do it as best as it could possibly be done and had the resources and scale in order to do it really well. Um, and I saw the challenges uh, upfront and personal, and I saw the opportunities. Um, you know, and, and the, so much of the focus in in the industry is about uh, efficient capital deployment and keeping operating costs at a minimum. Uh, and it was interesting in my prior role, I was uh, with a company that's now Bentall Green Oak. At the time, it was Bentall Kennedy, um, and we were an operating investment manager. So we managed about 40 billion in assets under management, and we operated most of those assets ourselves. Um, but not all of them, which was incredibly, um, uh, which was a really interesting point of observation because I could actually see how the performance of our assets differed when we operated them versus when third-party managers operated them. And, and I think one of the biggest challenges that folks deal with is the agency problem of having somebody else manage things. Uh, and we saw that um, directly at, at Bentall Kennedy where we, we saw when we managed an asset, we would get a lot more out of it mostly because we could just worry every last dollar. You know, as my boss at Essex used to say, um, we would spend 99 cents to get a dollar because that made sense for us. We had 99 cents to work with in order to do that. Um, Whereas uh, other folks who are not the owner and not the operator have a different set of incentives and and goals. And in that agency problem is, is a real challenge. So a lot of things come back to that in property management and trying to figure out how to solve those problems. Uh, but there's also a ton of uh, technology opportunities across the space. Um, you know, I think there's some really interesting innovation going uh, on, both from legacy players in the property management software space, as well as from new entrants in that space. So I think that's a really robust and interesting um, place for evolution. Um, I think you know, serving the renter and making it much more of a tech forward experience for them that's in line with other purchasing experiences that they might make um, is a big one. And I also think hospitalization, uh, hospitalization, not hospitalization. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but you know, effectively making the multifamily experience much more like a hospitality experience um, is a great uh, trend as well. Because uh, I think it's a big opportunity. I think renters want those services and want those options in their homes. Uh, and I think it's a good opportunity for owners and operators to make more money and provide a better and more differentiated service experience for their residents. Lots to unpack there. Um, Where I want to focus on is your insight that if you have a third party manager, things just don't run as efficiently. And you call this the agency problem. You need to have a certain scale surely to justify running your own management and operations. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you know when the right time is? I mean, we at Bluefield Capital, which is the venture fund and the private equity fund that I I work with for, (laughs) Uh, have invested in some startups in this space, the property management space, and they're disrupting it. We have a lot of listeners here who are trying to break into real estate, have already bought a couple of rentals, 
and I'm trying to figure out where in the value chain they should play. And then you've mm -hmm. got you know, numerous senior level ex executive leadership at large property management firms and, and real mm -hmm. estate private equity firms and REITs listening to this podcast. What's your view, having sat in the shoes that you sat in running operations, when is the right time to outsource to third-party management firms and what is the right time to run it yourself? And maybe it's not about stage and time. It might be about your own strategy. But any thoughts for people trying to figure out where they should play in the value chain? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing I just uh, want to make sure I'm clear on is, um, you know, third-party property management can be done really well. It can also be done really poorly. And, and in-house property management can also be done really poorly and really well, depending on the situation. I've seen I've seen both. Um, it's just the the agency issues need to get managed aggressively. And and I think where people get themselves into trouble where they don't see the yield is when they don't manage those agency issues and address those right up front and make sure that there is true alignment of interests in place and that the the owner manages with that in mind. Um, so, you know, with, with that said, uh, you know, I, I think there is um, no one right time for anybody to consider externally managed versus internally managed. I think a lot has to do with the organization and what they see themselves doing. Um, operations is a completely different skill set, capability, mindset than investments. Um, you know, I've been part of investment organizations and seen people who are incredibly driven by the deal, by the transaction. Um, they're oriented towards that. And the day-to-day -day operations of like making sure somebody's plumbing is working couldn't possibly have less interest to them. Um, and for those types of organizations, um, they should really have a third-party manager who does believe that that stuff is really important and is called to focus on those things uh, because that can... Um, Put them in the best place to be competitive in that. Um, in hybrid organizations that are trying to do both investments and operations, it's always a challenge um, because there's a lot of sexiness to the um, investment side of it, and some of the operations people look over there and they're like, "Oh my God, those folks get paid a lot of money, and you know their jobs look easy, and you don't have to, you don't, get, yeah, you don't get woken up on New Year's Eve by you know somebody's power outage or whatever, right? And that sounds nice. Um, my but, favorite you know, one, you know, the flush doesn't work. Oh, yeah, or the light bulb needs to be changed, right? Yeah, all of those. Um, you know, and it's like the, there are folks who are who who really love that service role, um, and finding that right mix of people in a blended organization is a real challenge. And setting up incentives and and an organization in such a way that it, it values and respects both sides of that is a challenge. And frankly, I haven't seen a lot of folks do that well. Um, so I think it comes down to the specific organization. Um, and when I was at Bentall Kennedy, we did that exceptionally well. It was, a, it, it was an organization that really valued the front end operations. And we saw a lot of our competitive advantage coming from doing that really well. And we'd actually built a third party management platform on the promise that we're going to manage your assets exactly like we manage our own. And we had all these clients who were frustrated because we never gave them any choices. We just told them how their property was going to be run and required them to front the capital when a capital investment was needed. But we managed them exactly like they were our own. And that worked really well for those clients. Um, we got them, I think, great yields. We were good operators. And I think that can apply to any situation. But I think you're exactly right to focus on scale. You know, if you've got, you know, 50 units scattered across the country, you should hire somebody. If you've got 50,000, in one geographically consolidated market, you should maybe think about building an operations group. So scale is an important factor, but culture is, is just as important. You know what? You articulated it superbly. And I, I think 
to, to summarize what I'm hearing and to add my own sort of flavor to this, figure out what you love, what you're passionate about, what you want to make your superpower in, in the real estate game. And then you've also got to look at the alternatives, the stage, the locations that you're in. It feels to me like many investment firms succeed by being good at only one of three things. Deal making, capital raising, or operations management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do one of those three things right and you'll do really well. I'd add yep. to operations management to the construction side. And, and consequently, mm -hmm. you see a range of large firms that have grown, either mm -hmm. because they've got a deal machine and they outsource everything else, or they're really good at in-house property management. And if they're going to do that, I highly advise, don't just try to copy everyone else. Uh, yep. Bring in technology, because this is one area where, of any area in prop tech, property mm -hmm. management is one where you can infuse technology, prop tech, throughout the entire process. And then the other side is construction. And I've got to tell you here, it's just about finding good labor and people you trust. It really is that simple. No amount of technology is going to matter if you don't have construction workers and developers who you trust, understand how the planning and code permission cycle works. So uh, that, that would be um, you know, the advice that I would give. And I think it's, it's built on what you just said there. Jonas, yeah. it's been wonderful having you on the show. How can people reach you? Is there anything you're looking for from our audience base? Uh, if you'd like anyone to reach out to you for anything, uh, let them know and also how, how to reach out to you. Uh, well, Zane, it's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm reachable at jonas at dwellsy.com. I'm always happy to chat with anyone. Um, and in terms of what we're looking for, we, you know, if, if you're out there and you've got properties available, uh, we want them on Dwellsy. Actually, just today, I'm excited to announce that we just opened up an individual listing platform. So even if you only have one or two or three uh, units available, uh, you can now list directly on Dwellsy, which is new as of today. Um, and uh, if you're managing five or 10 or 15 or 20,000 uh, units, we want your units on the platform too. Our, our aim is to have uh, every unit in the country uh, listed on Dwellsy when it becomes available. And how much does it cost? It is free. Thank you for that. And by the way, free with any asterisks or free? No. Exactly. No asterisks at all. No charge for lease, uh, no charge for leads, and no charge for listings. When I research the space, everyone advertises their platform's free, but when you look, there's asterisks, and those asterisks might be first listing free, the next, you know, or it, it might be. Um, well, what, what, what variations have you seen, by the way, on the free side? The asterisk. Oh my goodness. You know, I've seen there's so many different asterisks, right? So there's asterisks based on the size of the organization. There's asterisks based on the duration of the listing. Uh, there's asterisks based on the um, number of inquiries. You know, first inquiry free, second inquiry you have to pay for. There's uh, conditionality around uh, leases. So you don't have to pay for anything until you get a lease and we'll decide when you got a lease or not. Yeah, and if we bring, um, you, if we bring you the renter, it's free, but then if they actually apply, we're taking our cut. So it's basically commission-based. Yep. Yeah, and then there's uh, free, but you have to use our application system. That's another one. There's there's a bunch um, related to that, but Dwellsy is and always will be completely free. Um, there is no charge and no asterisks. All right, thank you so much, Jonas. Thank you, it's a pleasure.